I stuttered on that and I'm going to start over. All good, man. <laughs> Welcome back to Pop Culture To Do, everyone, the show where two friends take turns making each other watch, read, and listen to some of their favorite stuff. I'm Greg. I'm here with Anthony. Hey, hey. And this is episode three. Yes. Promising Young Woman. That is the topic of discussion today. Yep. Uh, but before we get into it, is there anything else you wanted to bring up? Yeah, actually. Um, it, it's funny because I remember I was thinking about this while scrolling through uh, Instagram and I see a lot of like fan art of iconic moments in film. Like, like I don't know if you've ever seen Leon the Professional. There's a shot of Natalie Portman. I believe she's carrying a plant and uh, Jesus Christ, the guy who plays Leon the Professional, I can't remember his name, but they're like, it's an iconic scene and they're walking at like an intersection or you have iconic wardrobes. Like I'm pretty sure the yellow raincoat from Dark is is already or will be iconic. I think it is. Me too, right? So I wanted to ask you, what makes a scene or or a piece of clothing for you, not in general, just for you, what makes it iconic? Okay, that's a dense question. Yeah. I'm going to narrow it, if you don't mind, to wardrobe, because I think that's an easier topic to get into than what makes movie iconic or movie scene iconic. <laughs> mean yeah 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 i think wardrobe is a is is an easier one to to discuss yeah i think it comes down to a few things for one is like instant recognition like you can see it and immediately think like oh that's the jacket from drive yeah but also it has to be something that doesn't feel out of place you know it has to be cool and unique mm -hmm. and like with the example i gave you know, yeah. 80s vibe to the imagery of Drive really lends itself to a bright white jacket with a gold scorpion on the back, you know? Yeah, plus the scorpion obviously ties into the mm -hmm. story as well. Yeah, and I think that's sort of what makes it work. And I think, like, for one thing, like, jackets are super easy to make iconic. Yeah. Because I would say the jacket from Akira, also iconic, the mm -hmm. red bomber one, jacket uh, thing. 1000%, considering it's it's not even a physical piece of clothing, it's mm -hmm. like, a, it's an animation. So even then, like, it, it's it's just as iconic as a piece of actual tangible clothing, yeah. you know, that you could hang up in the museum, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I, especially that pill on the back, you know? Yeah, exactly. Even I would say uh, the beginning of Place Beyond the Pines Ryan Gosling's shirtless and then he puts on that jacket and you don't really see him in that jacket again very much but there's something it. about it that's just like yeah, yeah also yeah. I brought up Pines again I am the best at this <laughs> I was thinking about it yeah uh, oh no we're talking about Pines again this, we don't actually have to get into it but <laughs> no no I know but yeah welcome to the that. new episode of Place Beyond the Pines cast <laughs> Place Beyond the podcast um <laughs> So yeah, podcast beyond the pines. Sorry, oh, <laughs> just one more. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, so yeah, because I was thinking about because not too long ago I saw like you know like little images. Actually, you know what? Before I even started Dark, 
I was obviously very much familiar with the the, the yellow uh, raincoat because of it's all over like Instagram or, or mm -hmm. social media, you know, because you'd see like little clips or, or little, uh, you know, quotes, whatever, and you always see the, the yellow raincoat. So it's like, okay, now for you as two people who love the show, why do you think that raincoat is iconic? for you if if you can answer that I don't know. well it stands out the look of dark is very dark for lack of a better way to describe it but it's true yeah it's you know? like dour and bleak all of its very muted tones and then a big fuck you yellow jacket it's true yeah we should probably dedicate uh, an episode to dark obviously we we've both watched it but Mm -hmm. you know i think it would just be uh interesting to uh, discuss so yeah that was my question do you have any points or questions oh uh just something cool that happened recently was at the golden globes which you know award shows i don't really care about but best director went to a uh, chloe Zhao for nomadland a movie i haven't yeah. seen yet yeah but it's cool because she's the first female asian director to win best director there and oh, i just so wanted cool. to be like yeah like that is representation awesome. that's dope that's something that really matters and we've seen a few female directors uh asian female directors gain more prominence recently with uh, lulu wang also for the farewell a few years ago and it's really mm. great to see non-white men getting the chance to make movies and them being great and them actually being recognized for being great yeah because you need more than just one perspective making films over and over again, because that's how you get people just constantly ripping off Martin Scorsese or Quentin Tarantino. Exactly. And uh, considering that I think Chloe Zhao either, like her filmography is not that, ex like it's not that big. I think she only, literally only has like maybe like less than a handful of films. But yeah. also like, I think Nomadland is the first film with like someone like a, an actual known uh, actor because I, I looked at her other I looked at her other films and like the other one that got like a lot of attention was this film called The Rider but last I checked that there was no one known in it yeah so. yeah she's really starting to build up and I do believe she has something else in the works that's like a bigger project Eternals and I'm looking it up now Eternals yeah. yeah yeah which is cool you know make that money girl yeah, for sure. I'd love to see. I always like seeing someone who has like a, an indie perspective on like film and how they tackle like much bigger projects. You know, I like seeing how they transfer that expertise to an entirely different like spectrum. Yeah. Really cool. Mm -hmm. but, I hope it's uh, good. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, I actually have a gripe with like a big, big gripe with uh, Golden Globes which I'm scared might actually pass over to the Oscars because like you'll see like a lot of like nominations like when, in respect to films, usually mm -hmm. a lot of the nominations from uh, the GG kind of go over to the Oscars. Yeah. So I'm scared because no one and nothing from the Five Bloods got nominated. Yeah, but is... that's, that's kind of what happens when Spike Lee makes a movie. He makes one of the best movies of the year and then no one talks about it uh, so come award season. Oh, that's so that's such garbage i don't like, even think do the right thing was nominated for it, anything it, it, except for that one guy who yeah played, the, like, the white guy the white guy got a nomination and again adam driver got a nomination for uh black landsman 
No one else. Well, there you go. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, if uh, you you uh, you have anything else, I don't think so. No. Nice. All right. So, uh, with that out of the way, we will dive into the main topic of discussion today, which is the film "Promising Young Women." Woman, sorry, that Norton recommended for me to watch. Cause and it's dope. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's okay. So basically, I'm going to start off by giving a synopsis. Um, unless, do you want to do it? or you? No, no, go ahead. Yeah. Um, okay, so basically, the gist of the film is about a woman named Cassie, who's played by Carrie Mulgan. And she kind of goes on this... Okay, because she, 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 her friend, her, one of her best friends, experiences some, something super traumatic... And now it's sort of been placed on, it's now Cassie's job to sort of be, be set off on this revenge path to avenge her friend's trauma. I'm really trying to like, <laughs> I, I, obviously we're going to get into spoilers, so who cares? Okay, so basically Cassie has a best friend who I'm assuming uh, committed suicide because she was a victim of sexual uh, assault. Uh, sexual assault. So now yep. Cassie, played by Carrie Mulligan, sets off on a hunt to sort of pick off all the components that led to, or that uh, that was involved in Nina's assault. So I just want to start off by saying the advertisement and like the trailers really paint a different picture than what you're gonna get and i mean that in the sense of because like the whole film has this like really vibrant candy coated aesthetic almost like it's it's all like a candy shop there's beautiful colors but then you have this really dark undertone like really dark mm -hmm. and the film is incredibly intense so much so that there were so many scenes that my fiance and I had like our stomachs were churning, especially the opening scene where, you know, cause basically throughout the film before Cassie kind of, you know, starts picking off these people who are involved with Nina's tragedy. She kind of also goes to bars to, you know, she, to, to teach men uh, a lesson, rightfully so, who, who target women who are, inebriated right to obviously take advantage of them so obviously her her whole thing is she fakes being drunk and then when the guy sort of has his grips around her she then kind of that's when she lays out her revenge plot or you know lesson on them mm -hmm. So basically, I love that aspect. And I thought going into this that this was going to be just a straight revenge film. Not like not like senseless or brainless, but I just thought like it was going to be a fun revenge movie because I that's what that's what I was sort of given in the uh, the advertisements. That is not what I got, though. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, for sure. It's it's very tricky in that way. And I and I like that because it's a movie with a lot to say. Yeah. And I think it does it very well. And the marketing, while it does missell it, it sells it in a way that get the people who want to hear that message in the seats without being like, hey, this is a movie where we're going to be talking a lot about stuff. 
yeah like i i thought it was gonna like initially i thought it was gonna be like within the same sort of idea as like a spit i spit on your grave type thing but mm -hmm. like obviously less graphic uh and it's not it's it's kind of like a really cool diversion first 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 and foremost i did really like this movie it was amazing and i liked it because it was a sort of drive syndrome where i was not given what i was kind of expecting and i mm -hmm. love that and i thought it was brilliant because the whole time we have cassie sort of running this cycle of teaching men a lesson but then she gets involved with bo burnham's character and it's kind of like we're, we're kind of like given a small window of light like shit like you know because she meets with molly shannon's character or like somewhere early in the film who plays nina's mother it's about halfway she, through yeah yeah and she tells cassie like you have to move on you know like and this is coming from nina's mother you know like you have to move on like give this up you know so i felt like like when i heard that like coming from her mother it's like wow that's kind of like it's kind of like this weird like deflation like shit you know even nina's own mother's kind of telling cassie to give this up does that mean like does that mean like there's no hope you know so my first that's not what she was saying i'm sorry to interrupt but like no no, no. what the mom was saying was like you need to be able to have your own life nina yeah. wouldn't want you to be like this yeah yeah that's, no no yeah that's true but like it you kind of do feel hopeless for cassie because it's kind Absolutely, of like yeah because yeah, you feel like you know like maybe i'm not going to catch these guys maybe i will but what will it give me in the end you know so cassie sort of puts a pause to that which is why my first point is not really a typical revenge film mm -hmm. because we have someone who 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 kind of plants the seeds for a revenge path but then quickly deviates and does move on right she moves on and then she gets this she's you know from I, I think i don't know i forget how much time has passed but there's a significant amount of time that she has spent with bo burnham's character ryan that's his name uh you know they develop a, a nice relationship they exchange i love you's and then we're slapped with video evidence from Allison Breeze's character that he was present at the sexual assault, which throws everything into a tailspin and literally sets Cassie back on her revenge path, which I thought was so cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that. I, I love the fact. And it was funny because the whole time, like, he, Ryan is like, oh, my God, maybe could he be like this light at the end of the tunnel for her could he could he be the one to really pull her out of this slump you know because he, he seems genuine and endearing but then we see that and the rug is not only pulled out from under cassie but all of us and it's kind of like shit now she's she's gonna get back to it and then so basically and i i also wrote down this point music video paris hilton yeah um, <laughs> that's a it, charming scene it it is and it's weird because I'm not, I wasn't really expecting it because of how, like, obviously it's, it, there are bits of comedy peppered throughout the film, but again, it has a lot of, there's a really dark layer to it because it has to do with the sexual assault. So I really wasn't expecting that sort of moment, you know, and especially like 
during this music video, the, the colors seem to pop a lot more. And and then it's at that it point- It becomes a rom-com for a while. It does, yeah, because we enter the montage too during yeah. that music video. Well, it's not, a, you know what I mean, but- um, What you're referring to as a music video, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, I thought that was, it was weird, but I loved it. And so, yeah, and I, I huh? uh, can can we go back for a second? Because I just yeah. want to talk about sort of the early parts of the film, because a lot of the beginning isn't revenge, per se. No, like, it's no. more of a teaching a lesson thing. Yeah, well, yeah. It, she's using Nina's experience to... Drive uh, her. It, 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 yeah. it drives her to need to teach men a lesson yeah and it's a very important lesson that even guys who think they're being good guys oh there's a girl in trouble i'm going to out of the goodness of my heart take care of them they so easy and so often and so right there are falling into well i'm taking care of her i'm you know being responsible i should get the sex now yeah and yeah, it's and, it's disgusting and yeah because you know usually there should be consent involved but a lot of the time for these women there isn't any because they're, they're and that's the problem or... with like the hero syndrome that men get yeah and they but were with... very good at the casting of these guys i was just gonna bring that up yeah they're almost all of the guys in this and especially all the guys that try to take her home are guys who are quote unquote nice guys in their persona, you know, it's the guy from the OC who plays uh, Seth, who's just like, oh, I'm the sweet, lovable dork. It's yeah. McLovin. It's McLovin. Sam Richardson, who's a comedian and seems like a very nice guy. It's Bo Burnham, who is charming and delightful. Wait, who's Sam Richardson again? The guy who's with, what's his name from the OC in the first oh. scene, and then you see him again later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and okay. then you've got a... Max Greenfeld and uh, Chris Lowell at the end as those two guys. Oh, Schmidt are... and Bash, yeah. Well, yeah. Schmidt from Good Girl, Bash from Glow. And... But not, I wasn't even thinking him as the guy from Glow because he's also a really sweet guy in Veronica Mars, uh, oh, season I, I three. Know. Yeah, and, no, i never seen that like, show. Like, they literally went and were like, okay, who plays sweet people in delightful sitcoms for the most part? Yeah. Or, you know, Teen dramas but whatever like who plays nice guys and get them to play assholes who yeah. don't know they're assholes and i think that was an, an important and really great decision that was yeah. made because it's it's kind of saying like assholes literally come in all forms there's not a specific mm -hmm. look to an asshole you know yeah um which yeah again to echo you it's incredibly important i also want to say like i love when she begins her revenge path each segment is kind of numbered by a roman numeral and every mm -hmm. time a roman numeral appears like the first time you're kind of like okay like what's this but then as the numbers progress immediately as soon as a number stamp comes on you're like okay we're entering a new chapter of like something's gonna happen right mm -hmm. and it's great too because like they do that a bit and then she sort of gives up on it because yeah. she's trying to find her own happiness with uh, Bo Burnham's character, Ryan. But then we go back to it and boom, there's another number on there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I did want to know though, because like, okay, there's a side question 
and then I want to get back to what I was going to say before, but because there's each like, there's like a, you know, she goes, she constantly retreats back to a notebook and there's like, uh, you know, the, the, the prison lines there with the numbers. Yeah, the, the, the tallies, yeah. 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 I don't know if it was just the picture on my TV, but it looked like some of them were black. Some of them were red. That was probably just a choice to show that it's not just, oh, we all, we did this all at once. You know, it's like she's been using different pens over different time. I think that's just oh, okay, a, okay, okay. a production standpoint to make it look like this was been happening over a long period of time. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I thought that they signified something different. Um, okay. I also wanted to point out, because we were mentioning all of these little bit parts, glorified cameos, if you will, mm -hmm. um, there's also Alfred Molina's character, an actor who I love, and he's fantastic in his small but like really powerful role because like every time she's like encountering someone like an a number there's there's always some sort of like weird friction like Alison mm -hmm. Brie or the dean from the med school I used to go to uh, Connie uh, Britton's character yeah yeah which I really want to get to that after mm -hmm. but there's always oh, some I got sort stuff of, to say on that too yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the brilliant scene but there's always some sort of like friction or or some sort of confrontation with Alfred Molina, though, it's completely different because he he plays a lawyer who who kind of bullied Nina to kind of give up the yeah get her to drop the charges yeah exactly and you can tell like immediately like you see him and he's completely disheveled and defeated because he has not slept because he is so consumed by guilt and that's the one and I think it's that's also pretty pivotal like that's the one point where there is no confrontation because he's willing he's like willfully kind of pouring himself out mm -hmm. like i couldn't sleep you know i can't sleep like i i, I need forgiveness uh, yeah. i'm so guilty whatever and not just for that one case just the fact that he seems to be a guy who that's how he made his living was yeah. getting people to drop cases that they should be pursuing exactly you know um because it, it, it's it's funny because like my fiance and I were discussing it after like it's it's it must really suck to be a lawyer because no matter like what side you're on you have to defend your client you mm -hmm. know you have to defend them whether they're right or wrong you have to defend them so even if you're going against someone who you know was right how does that eat at you so I think it was it was such a, a an important scene uh, that little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, but let's let's go back to the dean, the dean. Uh, episode, yeah. Uh, this section, sorry. Yeah. I think that's an important part, and it's also the importance of uh, Allison Bree's character. And we can get into the mechanics of these scenes and why they work on their own. Yeah. But the fact that they included these characters who are women. Yeah. Uh, because it is not the the movie and uh, the director. Uh, I've got her name written down. Uh, Emerald Fennel. Yeah. She's not making a movie about how terrible men are. No. She's making a movie about the culture that is around sexual abuse, that is letting successful men, and especially successful white men with perfect smiles and a bright future ahead of them, getting away with things. Yeah. The Dean didn't follow up. Alison Bree's character, who was friends with all these people, had a video on her phone that someone had sent her, didn't do anything with it. Yeah. It's it's about the corruption of the system. It's a, an indictment on our society. And I think that's what makes the movie so powerful. Yeah, it's true. And it's, it's funny, though, because 
that that one um i'm just gonna i'm gonna deviate tiny tiny bit because <laughs> that one scene with connie Britton's character reminds me of a documentary i watched years ago called called uh, the hunting ground which is about like college campus um sexual assaults and how they're not to be stereotypical here but how they're usually done by the jocks and the mm -hmm. jocks get away scot-free and the victims now what do they do no one's gonna listen to them no one's gonna yeah help them and, and it's funny because this the, the, you know, okay whatever lady gaga right but she made a song called until it happens to you mm -hmm. which is literally this scene in the movie yeah. right and, and it, it's per, it's it's so like it's it's exactly that you know it's it's it oh yeah you don't care but now your daughter's sort of in the same boat so you know like how do you how do you how does that sit with you now you react you know mm -hmm. now you want to stop it where were you before you know that's that's exactly it and yeah that's one of the best points to this movie is that oh it's not your problem who cares exactly yeah and yeah it's it's such a good movie because it doesn't just take this basic like oh men are rapists so let's murder them no. which is a valid type of movie all power to the people who want to make movies where the entire point of the movie is letting out anger yeah those movies are valid and fun but this is just not what you'd expect when you think of a female revenge film it's true i also i thought she was killing these guys mm -hmm. but it was just her teaching them a lesson which i thought was such a again another like subversion where i was like oh because yeah, it grounds it all in realism more yeah it's, because like you look at the candy coated marketing of it and the idea of revenge and wish fulfillment mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and you're expecting you know that visceral excitement and bloodlust and then it denies it to you so many times while using the iconography of it to still empower the film yeah it's true. And it's funny because, okay, actually, because we've covered a lot of my points, I do want to get to the uh, the ending, <laughs> which is, uh, okay, super, super spoilers here, if we yeah. didn't already mention it before. Cassie dies. And I that was like the big one where like, I think we like, it may, like my fiance and I even like, I think stopped the film for like a second just to kind of breathe. Like, yeah, because there's that scene where... Um, you you mentioned his name the guy from glow you know because she wants to okay first of all i know i'm all over the place hold on a sec the candy coated thing it really worked well with that wig that she wears as yeah. as her final stage you know and so basically the last portion of this film is she sets back onto her revenge path finds out that the abuser is having this bachelor party like kind of up in the sticks so she goes there she finds out the address whatever she goes there acts as a stripper and basically as soon as she opens this door to the cottage and she see and you're, you're greeted with the actor who plays schmidt from new girl and but there's a whole bunch of guys on the inside and and i was terrified for her because like if something's gonna go bad it's gonna be here mm -hmm. right because like she's surrounded by like these college jocks if you will they're older than college jocks, but you know what I mean? The vibe is what you're getting at, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And so basically, you know, she puts on this whole striptease thing. She gets the bachelor up to this bedroom and she cuffs him to the bed. And you can tell like he's kind of nervous because he doesn't know who she is yet. Mm -hmm. That's gonna come soon. But as soon as 
you know, they, they start getting into this like physical confrontation. He somehow like gets his wrist free and then he smothers her. And it's the longest scene I've ever had to sit through. As long as it, that's what it felt like. I, I felt like at some point, you know, her arm is waving and, and he puts the, the pillow on her face and then he puts the knee on her face, you know? And it's, yeah. it's really hard to watch and it, doesn't deviate at all it doesn't kind of go back to like what's happening with the other guys it doesn't you know go to a random cat watching the thing no it felt like it was a slow push in to this guy mm -hmm. murdering this woman and she dies and it's yeah. and then it kind of feels like fuck and then the worst part the guys find out or schmidt finds out and then he helps him burn the body that was like the real like nail in the coffin where it's like does that mean that Cassie is gonna like just gonna turn into nothing like Nina was like no like she said like nobody talks about Nina anymore nobody Nina just faded away and now mm -hmm. it's like fuck did Cassie just fade away like is that it is that the end of their story but then there's this whole master plan at the guy's wedding which I thought was such a like it was so it was just so nice right especially yeah after all the that, subversions to yeah. get you know the wish fulfillment you actually want in a yeah. way yeah does feel nice it does it, 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 it and it was sets up in the whole movie that she's smart yeah 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 because um this is whole like subplot where she was enrolled in med school and then she dropped out she obviously dropped out for you know obvious reasons her her best friend and whatnot but from there we obviously understand that cassie is like She's an extremely bright woman, especially from the way that she teaches these men in the past. What not mm -hmm. in the past, like before, like the revenge plot. At the beginning came. of the film, yeah. Yeah, you can tell, like by the way, like she does her lessons. It's so they're not like over the top, but they're so grounded and incredibly smart. Like you know, when uh, McLovin kind of puts the cocaine on her teeth, and then he mm -hmm. walks away, and she immediately like wipes it off. Like she was a great character despite that really rough ending that she had to have. Mm -hmm. But in a sense, it was kind of like bittersweet because obviously we don't want Cassie to die, but also it's kind of like, okay, at least she's with Nina now. And it's the honest realism of a thing because she hasn't been spending years of her life training to be a badass. You no. know, she is a woman who up until this, her whole thing was just tricking men into thinking exactly. about their actions so she's not prepared to actually physically confront someone and you know she's a thin petite woman and you know she handcuffed the guy which is a good idea but in getting free he was able to dominate her because he is bigger than her this yeah. is a film set in the quote-unquote real world it's not revenge porn it's no yeah and yeah. that's what i that's what i loved because despite the fact that i love love revenge films like one recently like the film revenge which is literally rape revenge this woman you know after enduring her sexual assault she becomes empowered gets a gun and it's it's fun but it's it's not realistic despite yeah. it being a great movie this is literally like she she cuffs him with sex handcuffs they're they're you're yeah. not going to get she's not he's not going to stay to the bedpost you know what i mean mm -hmm. these are not like police grade handcuffs so it it's yeah. kind of like yeah despite like being incredibly smart i think maybe she was also still ill-equipped because she can't predict what For every sure. you know what everyone's gonna anyone's gonna do yeah 
you know. Also, while we're on this sequence of scenes, I just want to mention a few things that I just think about a lot thinking about this movie. For one, and this is more on what something you were saying is like, you know, you refer to these guys as jocks. They were all med students. They are doctors. They are quote unquote nerds by the academic standpoint. They're not meathead guys. They're smart men who let a sexual assault that one of them did not impact their friendship. And then yeah. when a girl they went to school with shows up pretending to be a stripper, none of them recognize her. Yeah. And little things like The Bachelor, played by Chris Lowell, he was just like, oh, I don't really want this private dance. I'm committed to my fiance. And then he says it again when they're alone. And then it's just like, oh, well, if you insist. Exactly. Kind of really douchey. Yeah. And then from the moment he puts the pillow over, you don't see her face again for the rest of the movie. Never. Even when Schmidt lifts up the pillow, it's almost like not seeing her face, but seeing the smeared makeup mm -hmm. on the other side. That was even more disturbing. Like you no. don't see her face ever again. And it's a big message on its own of just like, the victims don't matter after they're gone. That's just it. And it's fucked up. It is. That's why like, I was scared that was Cassie gonna meet that end? You know, like, is she just gonna be like another name that existed and then that's it, you know? Is she but gonna be Nina? Exactly. But no, despite dying, she leaves her mark. We still experience, like we're still with Cassie until the mm -hmm. last, like until the screen goes black because she's still leaving her impact. And it's such, it's such tasty revenge because like no one dies and shit. You know, but this guy who's literally starting his marriage, it's already over. Yeah. You know, the guy's going to be away for, um, you know, hopefully life. It was, it was nice, despite you still feel very sad that Cassie's gone, but you're kind of like, at least like, it, it's, it's weird though, because everyone, like, it seems like the only one who really is impacted after like Cassie's gone is um, Gail, I think her name was, the, the one who runs the coffee shop with her. Mm -hmm. she wears the necklace and stuff yeah and you know her mom and dad yeah yeah but it's just it's just yeah. so sad that there was like no other friends yeah that you know yeah because carrie mulligan's character uh, after what happened to nina she cut off, off ties with pretty much everyone she had been friends with yeah and you know committed her life to revenge or teaching lessons more you don't get a chance to make a ton of friends when you your life mission is teaching a lesson to yeah yeah because she was kind of um yeah she kind of she, you could say like she she kind of put herself aside and was almost like navigating vicar like nina was like navigating vicariously through cassie because it's almost like cassie is just a vehicle but mm -hmm. but but we can we could obviously like not to say like like cassie has no purpose or anything she obviously does but you could tell like she's a woman who has put her life aside 100 percent. yeah yeah and she did that for nina a character who like after uh cassie dies you don't see her again you never actually see nina you see like a picture of her as a kid and that's it but it's again you know reinforcing that message that the film's uh, making and they sort of subtly hint at bo burnham's character being a dick before yeah, we do. get this reveal you know like they're on their first date and oh they're walking and he's just like oh this is my apartment ha 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 which 
you know, gross. Yeah. But then like they, you know, they show that he's also a nice guy and he's charming and like they're blunt and rude in the same way. So it's a better fit. But then there's a scene where he goes to dinner with her and her parents and they're talking about the stuff that, you know, the, the food they're eating and all that. And Ryan keeps complimenting the dad and the dad points out things that the mom did for dinner. And then Ryan's compliments are all on the few little things the dad did because he's trying to get the father's approval. But he's completely ignoring the fact that her other parent, who is just as important because it's one of her parents at the same time, is getting the shaft, is getting put to the side. And it's just, yeah, yeah, you know, you always hear in relationships about, oh, you got to get the father's approval. You know, you got to get at that. And it's like, no, you need the parents to like you. Yeah. if you're in a relationship with someone and you, and they have a good relationship with their parents, you need to try to get have a good relationship with their parents too. That's what it is. Both of them. Exactly. And, yeah, and it's so funny that you said to say that because like he mentions like all oh, this this house is so nice, uh, and and um, you know you must do really well for yourself, and and then the dad immediately says like oh it's Susan who does all the mm-hmm. really hard work you know shit I didn't even notice that but it's true yeah that's that that's that's something that uh that Sam pointed out to me and that's the great thing about watching a movie like this with a woman is they pick up on things that we as men don't even realize are bad yeah. you know the little subtle things that are in the background yeah, because they go through this stuff you know yeah. Oh man, that's a great movie. It was really, really good. And the more that we discuss it, the more I really love it. Oh yeah, um, I have not stopped thinking about it. It's one of those movies that just sticks with you. Yeah, it was a really great revenge flick considering it's not your average revenge flick. It's it's so good, you know? Yeah, the fact that it's not even really a revenge flick in a lot of ways because- that is a certain genre. It is a film with revenge in it, but it is saying so much more than that. And that's what makes me appreciate it so much. Yeah, yeah, I totally am with you there. Was there anything that you wanted, else you wanted to discuss? Because I can't remember uh, any other points. We've covered all my points. <laughs> we covered uh, everything I wanted to say too. Yeah. Uh, except for the fact that uh, Carrie Mulligan is fantastic in this. Like, yeah okay there we go yeah i wanted to mention tremendous that because, performance yeah and i think it's the first time like not the first time that she has done it but the first time i've seen her be a main uh a lead because i'm i'm mm-hmm. she's i'm the way i see her she's always been like a supporting character but here she's like we're with her like from the end till from start to finish and yeah. It's funny because, like, I obviously know what she looks like. She's fairly popular, but because I'm so used to seeing her on, like, the side, seeing her in a lead, like, I completely forgot I was watching Carrie Mulligan. I was just watching Cassie, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, she's fantastic. Everyone's great in it. But, yeah. like, it is her movie, and she takes full advantage of it. Like, she yeah. gives a great performance. It's nuanced. I like that you know, like, they're playing her off as, like, jaded, but not in a, like, ugh kind of way. Like, there's real character there. She's not just a vessel for the message of the film. She is a fully formed character. Yeah. And I think that's important for 
movies in general, but especially something like this that is trying to be more than just a revenge film. In a revenge film, the characters are vessels for revenge, but that's not what this is, and it's fantastic for it. Absolutely. Um, I love it. Um, I highly, highly recommend it because it is, it is great. Um, again, this was a one that I think, I don't know if it was just you or, or Wendell uh, had it also on his list, but this was covered on our top tens as well. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it during the top tens, but it would have definitely been there had I, uh, had I seen it prior. Uh, I made sure, like there were, f- there were a few movies this year that I knew I needed to see. Yeah. Oh, this past year, technically. What is time? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's... It's, it's one of the, those things where it's just like, you know, as a fan of Carrie Mulligan's, who again, you know, I've only seen in a few things, like like in Drive and some other stuff. And she has a really great episode of Doctor Who she's in from oh. years ago. And it's literally, it's her the entire way through. It's not e- like the character of the Doctor is in two scenes. It's her uh-huh. episode through and through. And that was my introduction okay. to her. And, you know, I've been a fan ever since. Yeah, I, mine was and, seeing her in Drive. Yeah, and it's great to just see her in something big because she's fantastic. and She deserves it, yeah. She's a very... She's chef's a, kiss performance. Yeah, tour de force, I gotta say. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I knew I would. I just didn't know how much because, again, I didn't know the film I was getting into. I, like I said, I thought it was a revenge film, and it's mm-hmm. not. It's it's much more than that. There's so much, so many layers to this film. Oh, it's so good. It's yeah. Oh my god! You know what I just realized? Mm-hmm. The candy aesthetic works so well for the good guys. It makes sense, right? Because the good guys. They, they look, they, they act like they're nice and everything, but there's a dark center, whereas the whole mm-hmm. film has this, like, beautiful look, but there's a dark center. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a that, good point. It's just an interpretation. I don't know. I mean, I, w- I would love to hear why she chose, because it's, it's very, you can tell it's deliberate. It's not just like, oh, I want to make it look nice. There, there's, there's, there's a point to it, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'd love it, to know why. This movie is too smart to just do that by accident. Exactly. Yeah. So, yes, uh, that being said, I think I will roll out my recommendation. for. Uh, sorry, for fans of this film, I recommend another film that is slowly, uh, not slowly, that's a little bit like this in a sense. And the film I'm going to accompany Promising Young Woman with is the film A Good Woman is Hard to Find. You can watch that movie on shutter it's amazing of course you can yeah uh not all my record not all my picks are from shutter um are you sure no um (laughs) i mean it's on brand if it is you know yeah that's true um i was actually surprised though because um i i'd only the reason why I'm, i'm saying this is because every time i saw promising young woman mentioned on a website like IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes, it always had this movie mentioned. At like, if you like this, you'll like this. If you like that, you'll like this, you know? So before I saw this movie, uh, obviously like like a month before Promising a Woman, and I knew nothing about it going in. You know, I only knew that it was, you know, for fans of Promising. So uh, 
you know, my fiance and I watched it just taking a chance and we loved it. Um, we love the movie. Basically, the synopsis is a recently widowed young mother will go to any lengths to protect her children as she seeks the truth behind her husband's murder. So, mm. yeah. so do with that what you will. Uh, again, I highly recommend it. It's a very, very good this it's not real i don't think this is really a revenge movie it's just a it's just a violent movie <laughs> um but yeah it's very good um and also my recommendation for you my good sir Ooh. for the next episode on what is it on the subject of revenge for next episode you will have to watch i saw the devil oh this has been on my to-do list forever you have to watch it now. Ah, see, this is the fun of the podcast. It's just like all the things that, you know, I've been wanting to watch and you've been wanting me to watch, like finally getting the chance. Yeah, uh, I, I know it used to be on Netflix. I really don't know if it is anymore. I, I do hope you can find it, though. I, I'm sure it's fairly easy to find. I'll be able to rent it on some service if okay. I have to. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, as long as you can watch it because um, it's one of my all-time favorite mm -hmm. revenge movies let's let's be real koreans do it best oh yeah korean cinema is phenomenal especially when it dives into revenge like they really do such a flawless job like old boy for fans of old boy i really think you're gonna like i saw the devil um it's one of my favorite films it was on my top 10 of of like the decade i remember mentioning it on the uh mm -hmm. top 10 of the decade uh i really hope you enjoy the movie and i i'm sorry i cannot wait to talk to you about it yeah it's gonna be a good one yeah for sure so, so i'm wondering uh, uh was yeah is there anything else you've been uh watching or consuming lately that has been good that you'd want to mention uh aside from uh binging parks and rec with my with my fiance because that show's amazing mm -hmm. um i i have been and i i'm watching that because i needed a palate cleanser from all like the intense stuff i was watching mm -hmm. but just before uh beginning parks and recreation i had watched season four of this amazing show called channel zero which is also on shutter um <laughs> uh it's really good it's a really really fun uh show it's basically uh an anthology uh, an anthology series that covers like creepy stories from the internet like a, a creepy past as i think they're called mm -hmm. um and so each season has to do with a different creepypasta. And because these are internet told stories, it obviously gives the writers of the show freedom to navigate whatever direction they want to go in with it. And I love, I like every single season has been just like awesome. It just, I love the directions they go. I love how like it's terrifying and fun because there's also like, there's a, a bit of action it's brutally gory which is uh, you know i'm a fan of because i'm a horror fan so uh yeah i highly recommend that too uh what about you what about you uh not watching much lately i'm trying to get back into regularly consuming content that isn't for the content i myself am creating because oh, yeah. <laughs> that's been a thing lately uh i watched uh i don't know if you noticed but uh i only found out as as it was coming out netflix has made a Pacific Rim animated series. It's out already? I heard of it. Yeah, it came out yesterday. I watched the first four episodes uh, when I got home from work. 
and it's not it's bad. Cool. It's yeah. cool. The animation, some spots are better than others, which is a lot of Netflix original animation stuff is, you know, some parts are better than others. Yeah. I also think each episode should be longer to better, because they're making good points in the episodes, but I just feel like they're not giving them enough time. And it's like, uh, I, I'm wanting more out of it. Like I'm enjoying it because I like big monsters and giant robots and stuff. Yeah. And I'm not done that. it, so, you know, but like, yeah. Yeah, is it anime? Well, it's anime style. I don't know if it's actually made by okay. Okay. Japanese creators. I know the writers oh. are American, but I don't, what technically makes things considered anime is vague in some places. So it's hard to say for sure. It's yeah. got the aesthetic 100% though. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, because you you were uh, you reminded me of um, I was also in the middle of watching this was a while ago, but the Castlevania show that was on Netflix is that good? Uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed it, and the animation is really is nice and clean too. Mm -hmm. So uh, I mean, maybe this show had a bigger budget. I don't know what the deal was, but I really and it's anime, so and mm -hmm. and the it was very clean, very crisp. The colors were beautiful. You know, it's a really really good show. Any fan of anime should watch castlevania right on yeah oh and i've been listening to a podcast with uh with my partner uh sam at work and it's pretty good and i want to talk about it because it's fun what is it called the bright sessions never it's heard a it. it's a it's a narrative series mm -hmm. and each episode is a recording of a therapy session between this therapist, Dr. Bright, and one of her patients. But the hook is all of the patients have superpowers. Hmm. And it's kind of X-Men-y, kind of in that vein. It's following only a few of these patients. Yeah. And, you know, we're on like the second, I guess, season. Hmm. And it's, you know, you're starting to get a better view of like what the long form storytelling they're going for is and it's really cool how they're using these individual therapy sessions to tell an overarching story both for the characters having these sessions and for the doctor and how it's all building and it's really cool oh man i gotta check that what's it called brighter the brighter side the bright sessions the bright brighter side the bright <laughs> sessions okay let me yeah. check that and write that down all right that sounds cool because i'm i mean I always like uh, I always like like listening to podcasts while I work on my stuff, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, recently, the podcast that I've been listening to, along with my my fiance, uh, is is a podcast because we we like a lot of true crime and horror mm -hmm. stuff. And there's this podcast called Let's Not Meet, which is different. Yeah. It's true stories of of like just scary encounters that people have had with mm -hmm. very shady characters, you know. And it's all real. They're all real stories, so it's terrifying to listen to. Sorry. But yeah, I highly recommend it for anyone who likes that kind of stuff. What's that one called? I'm going to tell Sam about it because she's into that kind of stuff. It's called Let's Not Meet. Let's not meet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's been listening to uh, My Favorite Murder a lot. Oh, she, yeah, that's a good one. She's into that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was also like listening to one of like conspiracy theories and I was in the middle of like listening to uh, the one about like um, the catcher in the rye and having it 
you know, being connected to the, uh, God, what's his name? David Chapman, the guy who killed John Lennon. Yeah. There's a conspiracy that that David Chapman was a sleeper agent and that Catcher in the Rye was actually his, like, his uh, code code thing to wake him up and do the mission. Like, do you believe that? Because apparently David Chapman had zero recollection of the event. It was only, like, he knew that he had a mission to do. And that's what they bring up on. I forget the name of the podcast. I'll, I'll search it for after, after and give it to you if you want to hear it. But it's really, it's really cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Oh, is nice. there anything else uh, you want to cover this episode? Uh, no. Uh, I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm good. I think I got a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think we Have covered we, uh... everything. We started a little later, so I don't know how long we've run for. I don't know if I should throw in some time killer content or not. Yeah, do it. Yeah? Yeah. All right. That means you have to guess more reviews, because that's what I prepared. Oh, of course. Okay. (laughs) I can only take so much of this. All right, let's go. It's okay. There's There's only five this time. Okay. Did you give the years? I wrote them down, yeah. Okay, cool. But I'm only going to give them to you if you ask for it. Yeah. Actually, yeah. you know, let's let's make this a little more game. You have three hints, so you can ask three times out of these five movies for the year they were released. Three times. Okay. Okay. Fine. All right. First one. All right. So, uh, if this is your first time listening to us, I'm going to now give Anthony a excerpt from a review a very poor rated review of a movie he loves and he's going to have to guess it as well as cry yes he does not he does not like this but i do so we're gonna keep doing it okay (laughs) all right so the first uh oh and none of these are ones from last time oh no no okay they're all new okay yeah so review the first half star review Visuals are good, but the dialogue is so fucking bad. Feels like it was written by a high school drama student. I like the costumes, too. Costumes. Name that movie. Why do I feel like this might be Watchmen? Is that your guess? Yeah. Incorrect. It was Midsommar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that had costumes. Fuck it. Okay. <laughs> Every movie has costumes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Lay another one on me. All right. Make me sad. All right. Second one. <laughs> Half star review. God damn it. Couldn't even finish it. It was just so boring and had no flavor. But maybe I'm just not mature enough or intelligent. I don't know. It was just so slow. So slow. Okay. I need a year. 2007. Don't tell me this is Zodiac. No, it's There Will Be Blood. That movie's a cinematic masterpiece. Okay, continue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, half-star review. They're all half-stars this time. I'm not going to keep saying it. Okay. (laughs) Not only was this movie boring and nonsensical, I was also having a mental breakdown over how to break up with my boyfriend while watching it. So it was a bad time altogether. 
what, why include that in the anyway? <laughs> um, it's character building. It's world building. That's why it's in there. We're getting a sense of the reviewer as a person. Ah, uh, okay. I I need the year. Two thousand twenty. And it's obviously it's a movie I watched. Okay, God, what did I watch in 20? Is this Relic? It is, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't slow, but whatever. No, that one didn't say it was slow. Oh. It was boring and nonsensical. Uh, for some reason, when I, I hear boring, I always think it that they're referring to slow it wasn't boring but whatever <laughs> that's just my opinion and this is their opinion yeah anyway let's continue <laughs> all right uh movie four half star review i said it again but don't know why <laughs> i can't believe society i can't believe society was tricked into watching this one more movie after this and this is my last hint okay i need the year i need the year 2011 could this be uh don't tell me it's dragon tattoo it's contagion Really? Yeah. That, I think that's why I picked this one because I can't believe society was tricked into watching this because it's so poignant oh, right, right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. Even the CDC commented on how accurate it was. So lick my butt. It doesn't say it's inaccurate though. It just says, yeah. I can't believe society was tricked into watching this. <laughs> it's a great movie. I think so. I love it. Okay. I Even know. though I already ran out of my hints, I'm still going to need the year for this last one because these are really hard without the year. Yeah. <laughs> I think this one's going to be easier, though. Okay, shoot. Which is good because you don't get the year on this one. Okay. Shit. Half star review. Avoid this movie. There are historical inaccuracies all the way through. Movies should not, that's all caps, not, have any artistic freedom of history and should completely follow everything the way reality did. Okay. So I'm assuming this is a movie that rewrites history and the, and yeah. Oh, okay. Is it, um, is it once upon a time? It is the social network. <laughs> yeah. I really love that movie. You really do. Yeah. No matter what Turnbull says, you love that movie. I do. It's good. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you like it too, don't you? Not as much as you do. No, it's true. So you got one right again. Oh, yeah, that's true. Which yeah. one was the one I got right? Relic. Relic, yeah. Because you told me, yeah. yeah. But uh, on the other hand, 
we did less this time. So technically you did better. That's all I heard. Yeah, <laughs> you, had, yeah. you had me at better. You got 20% instead of 14. I did all math. right. <laughs> all right. Sounds great. All right, man. So I think that about wraps it up. Yep. Take us home. I will. All right. So be sure to catch us on our next episode. We post every Tuesday. You can find us on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and something called RSS. I think it's also on iTunes. I'll be honest. I don't remember all the uh, we're also on Spotify. Yes. We're on most of the major ones. So yeah. find us, subscribe if you like them, rate us five stars so that way other people will find us. Also, so I'll feel good. Yeah. So I'll feel too. good if you give us ratings. Yeah, come on, man. Make it good. Come on, make uh, me feel good. Yeah. You can find my sexual co-host on YouTube, the Greg Norton. Uh, he's also on uh, Instagram at the Greg Norton. You can find us on Twitter at Pop Culture To Do. Sorry about that. And you can find me on Instagram at Anthony With Teeth. Oh, uh, oh, oh. Uh, uh, my mom was asking me why you made your Twitter handle, uh, your, uh, your Instagram handle, uh, Anthony With Teeth. And I didn't know why. So can you say it now so that when she listens to this, she'll know? Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, my fiance Maymay and I were uh, when I was newly conceiving my Instagram as well as my whole identity, you know, with my visual arts. I wanted, I, I didn't want my name, I wanted like an artist name. And I really like, I was thinking and thinking. And I obviously, my favorite band is Nine Inch Nails. So I was kind of like going through their song list and their albums. And obviously, they have the album with teeth. So my fiance Meme was like how about Anthony with teeth and she already just like signed it like she already put it into put it into the account and made it my name it was available and I really liked it and I was like that's the one awesome <laughs> yeah hey mom cheer that I was right it is Nine Inch Nails that's right Greg's mom I hope you're doing well mom uh, Anthony hopes you're doing well Oh, also, I've got a new video out this week, so check it out. Yeah, it'll be out on Thursday. It, they're awesome. Despite what he says, they're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, our friend uh, David Macri, he does uh, song medleys on YouTube sometimes, and he put out a mashup this week that's pretty good, and I recommend checking it out if you like my face. And if you don't like my face, check it out anyways, because he's a good friend. Wait, where, what's the, it's on YouTube. What's his uh, channel? David Macri. <laughs> Just Dave Macri? No uh, underline, uh, underscores? Uh... No, it's David Macri. First right. name David, well, last name Macri. All right, guys. Well, you know where to find him on YouTube for, uh, you know, your musical, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, just... I was pointing this out to him uh, the other day, and David, I hope you're listening to hear this. Uh, he's done some voice work and some uh, video work in some of my videos, like as cameos. And all the all the videos that he's been in, I've had 
good views on and I've had an up in subscribers on. Nice. Yeah. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm sure it has nothing to do with me. His video that he posted in one day got more likes and more views than my last video got in a week. So it is David Macri based. <laughs> I definitely see a pattern here, guys. <laughs> if you want your content to succeed, get David Macri on it. Yeah, that's the, that's the key to success, guys. You got to get Mac, Mac salad, Mac to the future. That's what I call him. Uh, you can't use that. That's my nickname for him. I'm going to call him that. Please don't. He will get very confused. Yeah, fine, I won't. I'm going to keep calling him Mac Daddy, though. Nice. All right, guys, that's been this episode. And oh, uh, part of me forgot we were still wrapping this up. Right? This episode is notably going to be longer unless you edit it down, but I don't know. It'll be five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> All right, guys, catch us on the next episode. We really hope you enjoy our content. Uh, we love making it for you guys. And uh, take care. Stay safe and keep it squeezy. Have a good one. Have a good one, guys. Shit, my, my mouse froze. I can't stop. Hit stop. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs>